Uh-huh. I know what you're thinking. Is this the booth drafting the circuits? Three-way theater or the Kevin Jackson show? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kinda lost track myself here on Hoobazoo.com. So, do you feel lucky, punk? Oscar Mike Radio. Come in. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. Sinister One, this is Oscar Mike. I have Ulima Charlie over. It's a Thursday, so it must mean that it is time for Oscar Mike Radio, episode 57, and it's kind of a continuing series, My Military Story, and I'm trying this in a new location tonight, so if it sounds funky, just bear with me while I try to dial this in. And I'm going to start with the question of the week. And the question of the week is, again, for some reason, what do I think about the situation in North Korea? I've, I've tried to answer this one before, and I will say it again. Um, it's kind of unfolding. There were people back in the 90s when President Clinton was in office who said that giving North Korea the, the means to do nuclear research and build nuclear infrastructure was a bad idea. I think we're seeing that now as they escalate and continually try to push the envelope on what they can and cannot do with uh, a nuclear arsenal. So that's not a good thing. I know there's several people who think that President Trump is a certified nutcase who doesn't know what he's doing. But if you watch the news and read between the lines you can see where China is now getting involved other countries are getting involved and North Korea is starting to change their tune a little bit they're not saying we can wipe you out or wipe Guam out like they used to be able to sorry about that and then I would remind people to go to uh, YouTube and look at some videos of what the B-1 bomber can do. B-52 gets all the glory, the A-10 gets all the glory, the f 35 is getting all the press, the MV-22 Osprey is getting bad press for all the wrong reasons, that's a different episode. But no one really talks about the B-1 bomber until it's time to do something like this. And when you research what that aircraft history is, what it was designed to do, and how it doesn't, 
I just think that if we wanted to level uh, the nuclear infrastructure in North Korea, we could do so without any problem. And what you're seeing here is whoever is advising Trump in this case, you know, I think he's saying some good things. You have to understand how certain people work. You know, they don't want to lose face, so the war wars will escalate and then it'll de-escalate. But he's not carrying nuclear football around trying to find an excuse to launch it. I don't think he really wants to go to North Korea and begin a, a long protracted engagement over there. I think he really wants China to, you know, come to the world uh, stage and uh, give them some truth. And they did when they told North Korea that if you guys do this, you will be without friends from China. And North Korea needs China for trade and economic purposes. So they're not in the mood to really uh, bite that hand that is feeding them. So again, I don't know what's going on. I don't have an idea of where this will go. Do I think, based on my limited knowledge, that we're going to have a nuclear holocaust in the next two or three years? I think that's unlikely. Um, it is no one's benefit to have one rogue nation firing off tactical ballistic missiles across the world. It's just in no one's best interest right now or going forward. So I'm, I'm not seeing that. So all I can say is stay tuned. Make sure you support politicians who are acting in the best interest of America and our servicemen and women. And educate yourself and stay informed. So that's my, um, that's my two cents on that for this week. So going on now to the word. And again, this is my um, kind of military story and series. This is part three. And I'm going to talk about before the, 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 the things leading up right before I stepped on the yellow footprints to become a Marine. I had gone through the, uh, the ASVAB process, gone through MEPS. Um, it's the military uh, processing center. And now I was getting ready to leave my life behind and go uh, miles away to a strange place I'd never been to do this. And so I kind of wanted to talk about what that was about, what that was like. Um, because, you know, as a kid, you're not really thinking about it. Or I shouldn't say kid. That's not really right. But what I'm trying to say is when you're, when you're doing it, you're not really thinking about what you're actually doing. You're just trying to get everything in line to go from point A to point B as you know quickly as possible. So I got my orders from the recruiter, who was at that time my best buddy. I mean, I think if I'd asked him for uh, a crawfish dinner homemade, he'd have figured out a way to make it happen. And he was just trying to make sure that I wasn't going anywhere. But the, the weird thing was, 
you know how you talk about, you know, people join the military and they have their last night of partying and debauchery and stuff like that. Well, that, that was not my case. I remember that they put me, I met them at the recruiting station. A friend of mine dropped me off. And I got my orders. And this it's this big yellow manila folder. I mean, I don't know who makes these, but you can't buy these at Staples or Walmart. I mean, this thing was huge. And it basically had my entire life's history up to that point in it. Everything from my place of birth to, you know, every school I'd been to, any kind of extracurricular activity, any kind of trouble, next of kin, all that stuff was in that folder, along with my orders to report to um, MCRD San Diego, along with the airline tickets to leave Shreveport, Louisiana, to fly to San Diego, California. And so I met my recruiter. He said, do you want anything to eat? I said, sure. They got me uh, something to eat. I think I, I think it was, I can't remember. It was, I'm going to say Whataburger. I'm not sure. And then I got put in a hotel because they wanted to make sure that I wouldn't go anywhere. And every, like, couple of hours, I think I checked into the hotel at, like, um, Six o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night. And they literally called me at like nine o'clock and, you know, wanted to make sure I was still there. Which I always wondered why they did that because I could have left the hotel any time. I don't know why they spent the money. If they, if they wanted to make sure that I was in the right place, couldn't I have just, you know, gone home, hung out with friends, and then come back to the hotel. I, I never really got that, but it was a hotel, and looking back, I probably should have just gotten some sleep, but I'll get into that later, but I was in the hotel, thinking about what I was doing, not really uh, focused on anything else. I don't think I had a girlfriend at the time. No, I didn't, and so I... Um, you know, kind of laid awake thinking about this, what it was going to be like. Is it going to be like Full Metal Jacket? Is it going to be like the other military movies? You know, I was told not to cut my hair. Do not cut your hair before you go. And uh, got the next morning. The recruiter picked me up, took me to get some breakfast. It was McDonald's. I mean, they really just, well, what it was, there was no like continental breakfast at the hotel. There was something like that. It was just a simple, simple breakfast. And that's what they did. We went back to the recruiting station, signed some more paperwork. And then I want to say around 11 o'clock, they dropped me off at the airport. And I was, as I was walking through Shreveport Regional Airport, there were all these other guys and some girls with big yellow folders too. Some of them were joining the Marine Corps, some of them were joining the Navy, some of them were going into the Army. There was no Coast Guard people there. But I remember that clearly. There was every other service except for Coast Guard. And they were all waiting for their flights. 
Some were leaving early, some were leaving in the afternoon, some were leaving in the evening. I left, my flight was around, I think between 12.30 and 2, which I thought was kind of weird at the time. I'm like, you know, why would you, why would you have us leave so late in the day, you know, if, if we got to get to the uh, recruit depot and get processed? I said, wouldn't it, wouldn't it have made more sense to have us leave like at 5 o'clock in the morning and get there and you know, eight o'clock in, in, in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning process, and then have the whole day and go to bed and get fed and that kind of thing. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I went for the plane, and some of my friends were there, and their parents, and it was still a time where in Shreveport you walked to your plane to get on it instead of going down a a ramp, and closed ramp. We literally went downstairs, walked out to the plane. It was a prop plane. I remember that, and walked up the the, the rampway there and waved to my friends and and family and got on the plane. And that was it. What well, wasn't it? Then we go to Dallas. We fly from Shreveport to Dallas. Uh, it's like a 45 minute flight still. No, it was a little bit longer because we're in a prop plane like an hour, hour and 10 minutes, you know, tarmac to tarmac. And we got there, sat down, and they had given us these chits. It was, it was kind of funny. It, it was um, like a little coupon we could use at the airport for uh, lunch. So I, I don't remember spending my own cash to buy lunch. I just you know, had a government issued shit and you went to the place and you checked it out. There was the, the USO we could, we went by and checked out and that was pretty much it. Um, there wasn't much to do. And the funny thing was when we got to Dallas, there was more kids with yellow envelopes. And, and it was the, the, the funny thing was like we got to Dallas around, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, so on and so forth. But we didn't leave for San Diego until like six, seven o'clock at night. And, and all of us are kind of sitting there saying, well, well isn't this kind of, you know, messed up? Why in the hell wouldn't you have had us there already so we could get checked in, bumped down, and get ready to do our thing the next day? And just no idea. But we're sitting there, we're sitting there, we're sitting there, we're starting to talk with each other. You know, this guy's going to be a grunt. I'm from Oklahoma. I'm from... You know, I'm from Iowa, so on and so forth. And we had, we'd already known that people, you know, east of the Mississippi River went to uh, Paris Island and those west went to San Diego. So it was interesting to see, you know, who was who and what was what and where they were going, right? So we wait, we wait, we wait, we wait, we wait, and then, uh, I don't know if they were MPs or recruiters or what. This is well before 9-11 and all the restrictions. Some military guys made sure we were all there and, you know, on the right on the right flight. And we waited, queued up, and then got on the flight. And I think this was the other thing. This was my first time on a plane. Had to be. 
No, I've never flown before this. Neither had a lot of my friends at the time. This is all new. I mean, taking off, landing, and I, I didn't have much. I, I, I remember I, I clearly did not have a lot. I had a, I had a little bag with a shaving kit in it, and um, a couple other things. The um, recruiter kept the shaving kit because I didn't need it. Is what he said. So I literally had a pair of jeans, a shirt, and a change of clothes in my uh, overnight bag. That was that was it. That was all she wrote. And so, you know, I'm waiting there. I have my 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 bag in my hand because I didn't want to have to check the luggage, right? And so, we got on the plane and we're there and we're we're flying for a very long time. And this is all new to me. So every time the plane bumped or did anything, I was like, holy moly, I'm going to die. I'm going to freaking die, man. This is just weird. But then after a while, it was no big deal. And this is, this is back when, you know, if you flew, they still gave you some kind of a semblance of a meal. So the, the food wasn't that bad. It really wasn't. It wasn't that bad at all. And um, they tell us that we're going to start landing. And this is a weird thing, too, because um, as we're flying, we're told that you're going to be able to see the recruit depot on the way in. But the weird thing for me is if, if you ever fly to San Diego, you, you're, you feel like you're going to hit the side of a mountain or, or possibly get into the ocean because the airport is literally, you know, a couple miles from the, the nearest, I don't know how to describe it. It's like it's in a valley, right? And on one side of the valley is the ocean, on the side of the valley is the actual valley four, and the plane literally drops down and lands on this runway. So that was that was real weird for me, but we get off the airport and we're told to go to, if you're a military uh, recruit, Marine Corps recruit depot, go here. And I want to say it was the USO. Uh, San Diego has a pretty big one. And it's, and it's in heavy use for all the Navy and Marine Corps uh, personnel out there. But we went to the USO and hung out and hung out. And all of a sudden, um, and it was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night, right? And we land and we're there. And all of a sudden, over the next couple of hours, because we, we, we got there late. It was like 10 o'clock Eastern time. Or central time because we we're central time so it was getting late all of a sudden we just started seeing more and more people show up with yellow folders looking like it came from a strange land right and it was really funny you know before we knew it there was hundreds of people and then all of a sudden we see these guys show up and they're starting to walk through the area to make sure things are okay. And we're sitting there wondering what's going to happen next. And all of a sudden, we see these lines of buses coming. And these buses start stacking up in formation. I'm like, like this weird. I mean, there's like 20 buses parked, you know, one after the other. And we see the unmistakable sign of the campaign cover. And then we have some other military guys dressed up in, I had never seen them before, uh, these green uniforms. I was a find out later, these were uh, dress alphas. Never seen them.
didn't know what they looked like. And they're starting to go through and look at our paperwork and get us into these, these boxes. And they're not talking to us very nicely because you have to understand for me, I thought we were going to, you know, get off the plane, get picked up, get driven to the, you know, processing center. Hey man, how's it going? Where are you from? What are you going to do? we got a nice little bed right here for you and tomorrow morning early, you know, we'll get this going. It's no big deal. Welcome to the Marine Corps. Welcome to San Diego. We're happy to have you, right? So I'm thinking, okay, this is no big deal. But then I land, I'm like, you know, hey, wait a minute, you know, where's the, where's the welcome mat? You know, where's the warm fuzzies? It, it wasn't warm fuzzy, even though it was an absolutely gorgeous night in San Diego. I'll get into that later. But uh, the buses show up and we're waiting, we're waiting. And all of a sudden we have these, these, these men in these camis, you know, they're the, the woodland, you know, camo and they're green campaign covers on and they're starting to tell us to load up in the bus and it's not in not a very nice way we're loading up in the bus we're doing our thing right and we load up in the bus and they tell us when we get in the bus you know they give us the spiel the, the you know i'm marine corps drill instructor so and so and so and so you you're on your way to the recruit depot everybody here say yes sir and i say yes sir we're not loud enough so we got to say again yes sir and i'm like oh shoot so we're waiting there waiting there, waiting there you know because the first thing you tell us to do is sit there with our you know left hand left knee right hand right knee and shut up be quiet they don't want to hear us talk okay so that's weird i mean you know my recruiter didn't talk to me this way he was like you know my bud my bro my pal and this guy was not my bud. This guy was not my bro. This guy was not my pal. These guys were not like in the deal with us. And of course, getting later and later, I'm like thinking, you know, what the hell is going on? Just get me to the to my bed so I can sleep and get up the next morning. We'll do this shit. I mean, Jesus Christ, what, what's the big deal? So before we head to the recruit depot, we get the we get yelled at again, and we're told to. Keep our hands on our knees and tilt our head forward until our foreheads rest in the back seat and don't look up. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But nope, they went through the bus, each one of them, all 20 buses, and they made sure that everybody had their head down. I'm like, like I'm going to remember where I am to begin with. It's, it's freaking pitch black outside. Well, not pitch black, but it's dark. And we go driving. Now I think, you know, this is pre-internet, that, that the, the depot's out in the middle of the, of, of the woods or desert or something, and we're not going to see anybody. We never left the town. You know, for, for those of you who are thinking about joining the Marine Corps from West Mississippi, the depot is smack dab in the heart of San Diego. The airport is literally, you know, walking distance from the depot you can literally walk a quarter mile and and be right at the front gate they're, they're, they're right beside each other they're right beside each other and then you look out to the other side and you can see people's homes you can you can you know when you're staying in formation sometimes you can watch cars 
you see lights coming on at night and people turn on their lights it, it's crazy man it's a real like whoa so we, we're on the bus we're doing our thing we're you know got our head down all summer to look up and we can see that we're coming through Marine Corps Recruit Depot San Diego MCRD and then that's uh, you know was like well we're here I, I'm like I am here I'm getting ready to do this this is a for real thing the buses stop and you see the fabled yellow footprints and I will talk about what happens next in part four of the series so thanks for checking it out okay I have no complaint this week no upcoming events this week um, nothing else really going on just want to say that if you have anything going on as we enter into what we call the, the fundraising cycle for a lot of orgs you, know, you have some kind of dinner gala golf tournament outreach program whatever hit me up on uh, ostermikerio.com Travis my email is Travis at ostermikerio.com I'm also on Facebook Twitter and Instagram so that is it for this week if you have any feedback let me know and as always thanks for listening Omar out Oscar Mike Radio over and out Oscar Mike Radio, do you copy? Turns to one actual, I have you five by five. Anchors away, my boys, anchors away. Farewell to college joys, we sail at break of day. Our last night a shore, drink to the poem until we Oscar Mike Radio is in route. Copy that, Sinister One. Coming at you from the city of champions, Brockton, Massachusetts. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. Oscar Mike Radio.
perfection in action. On the move, on mission, always. Oh,